Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. It is Sunday, September the 13th, and we're your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. And Alicia Brown. How are you doing, Alicia? I am doing wonderful. I I, I am really doing wonderful. I haven't yes. heard from you a lot this weekend. You must have <laughs> had a busy weekend. Yeah. Oh, Will, Will. You know we talk all the time about how we love what we do. Um, yeah. In the different ways that we know God's using us, but it's really exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And it seems it like, you know, the more assistance we get, um, yeah. the more help we get, the more work we take on. The, the more work and we go exactly. Exactly, it's like we're all the way back to where we started. But you yeah. know, there were some moments this weekend that were really breathtaking, and they just re-energized me. Um, like what? Well, you know. Writing and producing the show and, and stuff like that comes easy to me. But seeing, you know, being able to transform that to helping other people, to stirring up the gifts within them, and it reminds me of Nikki Curry and what you see her do so many times with other people. You exactly, know, to, yeah. to, yeah, give people the awareness that you're pregnant, you know, with a platform, a, a message, a ministry that. People are waiting on you to give birth to. And then when you're able to walk alongside them and help them and, you know, mold and shape that vision and then see it come to fruition, that just does something to me. You know, it's so much, it it becomes not about you anymore, but you see how the gifts are being used. And just to add one more thing, um, you know, this week is special to me because it's National Suicide Prevention Week. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, but, but you look back and you look back on your past, and I think about that little girl that was told she would never be anything. And I think about that child that felt she had no purpose. Um, the only way to escape her environment was to commit suicide. And then we flash forward to this amazing life, chock full of, you know, just experiences and awesome opportunities and you see what God is doing in the lives of others through you, you know, you, you can't help but just step back for a moment and be thankful and humbly thankful. And, you know, it, it gives you that breath to keep going and just give that message to others that the best really is yet to come. Um, it's not over, but the best days are ahead of you. So it, I'm going to take my little motivational hat off for a moment but I want to ask you, how was your weekend? Because I know you were all transforming with the movie The War Room and your oh, reading yeah. Jake's Destiny book. So I want yeah. to hear about your experience. Yeah. Well, um, I actually I actually bought the book um, earlier this week. I hope so. I have started reading it. 
Um, but because of my schedule, I, I wanted to, to devote a time where I could really sit down and get into the meat of the book. Um, okay. And I, I wasn't able to do that throughout the week because I was at work, and then I had school. School has really yeah. been kicking my butt, missing assignments, so I'm trying to get everything. Well. Um, I know, I know, because the, the university I am, I'm at now is a lot different than the community college I just graduated from. They're requiring a lot more. Had I had known that, I wouldn't have booked as heavy as far as my enrollment. Um, but I'm in it now. I'm not a quitter, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just try to focus myself to set out, carve out some des- designated time for school. Yes. But just trying to do that, um, still going through some things and wanting to um, pretty much get closer to God. So I I, I got that okay. book. I was searching. I was in Walmart one night. I go to Walmart almost every night. But I was walking down the aisles, and I just walked through the book section, and I saw T.D. Jake's book, and it said um, Destiny. And I read the back of the cover, and I was like, wow, that, that really fits what I'm feeling right now. <clears throat> so I bought the okay. book. I bought the um, a company uh, workbook, and I just started okay. reading that. And um, as I was reading it, it just really started to minister to me. So it kind of made me feel like things that are going on right now are kind of interrelated and in pretty much where God wants me to be. Um, okay. So I went to a movie with um, some friends. Actually, Nate went, uh, went with me um, as well to see, you know, The Perfect Guy, which I'm sure a lot of us went to go see. I'll um, to see that really next good. Friday. That it was really? good. It was really good. Okay, it was, good. It was predictable. Predictable, but um, Don't tell me good. that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell oh, me. No. Okay. It's not going to be predictable. I want to be shocked. <laughs> well, you're not going to be shocked. Uh-oh. You're not going to be shocked, but you'll be entertained. Well, we're going to pretend. You'll be entertained. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I didn't go to church this morning. Uh, I, I woke up probably about 8.30. Um, so I just laid back down. And anyway, uh, a friend of mine, a client, actually called me and wanted to go see um, the war room. And I told okay. her, you know, I had the show to do and I had some things to do in the afternoon. But she said, well, let's go this morning. So we went to an early movie, caught that movie, and I mean, hmm. Uh, I'm speechless. Well, he did. I mean, it was not like it was an Oscar award-winning movie, but just I just felt like I was where I was. I needed to be at the moment (laughs) I needed to be, hearing exactly what I needed to hear. Um, And I walked in there. I don't. I don't mind because I've talked to you about it before. I walked in there. I felt like I had the weight of the world on my shoulder, and I was trying to smile for my client because I didn't want any questions or anything like that. But when I sat in Mm -hmm. that movie and the context of that movie. And the situations and how God ministered, it was almost like I went through the past couple of weeks, and it was like he gave me an opportunity to figure it out myself, try to fix things myself. Um, And I failed terribly, probably messed things up even worse than. Uh, And then I got in that movie, and then he said, okay, now sit down. Let me show you exactly what you're going through, why I'm doing what I'm doing and how this thing is going to work out. And, I mean, we both sat there <laughs> with popcorn. Like, midway the movie through the end of the movie, we both, like, reaching on the side of our eyes, trying to hide the tears. But it was just yes. so refreshing to see um, how God orchestrates things in our lives. to Because he's going to get you one way or the other. Um, you can come right. easy. It can be easy or it can be painful. Ooh. He's going to get you regardless. So yes, that movie is. just opened up my, my, my eyes to so much. Um, I feel so much better. I'm in a better place. Today than I was okay. for the past past couple of weeks, um, and I feel good. I feel I know exactly what I need to do to get my life back and um, to get things I, right. So well, I had a good weekend. It, it ended up being good. 
Yeah, what's yes. your reaction with the movie? Because I know you saw it as well. Oh, man, man, let me tell you how good it was. <laughs> Actually, the reason, of course, I wanted to see it, but when our church went and saw it as a body, I wasn't yeah. available. Uh-huh. I had one of my new clients say, have you seen the movie? No, I haven't. Here, and literally handed me money and said, go see the movie. <laughs> I said, you're paying me to go see that? So I had to see them today. So I'm like, look, Saturday, you're going to go see that movie. And mm-hmm. I remembered someone else had given me a gift card to the movie theater. So I said, let mm-hmm. me grab my one of my old mentees and bring her mm-hmm. with me. I know you're going through some things. That movie, my God, whether you're a believer, an unbeliever, exactly. don't care what your faith is. Wherever it you touches are. everybody. Yes. And empowers you to what you can do to just take back control of your life, to right everything that's wrong, and get yeah. yourself back on course. That was yeah. such an uplifting. Yeah. There are no awards for that movie. None. It was. It was. It was. Um, now, did you get did the theater clap in yours? Yes. Yeah. They, you know, you they, heard that, little sniffles, and then they come. Yeah, but at that, at, I'm not even going to say, because I don't know if the people who, who, who are listening have been, but at that one part towards the end, I tell you, and I jumped up, and I thought it was strange, but when I looked around, and everybody else was on their feet applauding, and I was like, yeah. oh, my God, this movie was so amazing. It was so amazing. But, yeah, Ooh. that was my weekend. <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah. hey, what an awesome way to end a fabulous week. Yeah. But, you yeah. know. No, no episode would be right without our wonderful co-host. Exactly. So tonight, I think we have joining us, our awesome team will be Danielle, Liz, and Nate. So I want to ask them, how are they doing? Awesome. Hey, 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 Will and Alicia, it's Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Will and Alicia, how y'all doing tonight? Good. How are you honey? (laughs) <laughs> I'm excited for the show. I had a great weekend. I did a lot of networking this weekend All right. um, for my uh, company and trying to get visible and get some yes. more clients. Since I have someone already launched, it's time to take on another person. So, you know, yes. always out hustling. Hustling. Yeah, no, that's right. Ain't that how you do it? <laughs> <laughs> that is how you do it. Then you have the opportunity. To look at all uh-huh. the movies that we were talking about? I, I have seen War Room, and, and I will agree. It was definitely an experience. It was an oh experience indeed. I think I, I'm a talker, so throughout the whole movie, I'm talking to the girl. Yeah. And, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and having See, a conversation like I'm in the movie. Yeah, I'm in the mm-hmm. movie. You don't want to go with me. I ain't going to no movie with y'all. Because I'm going I'm to I'm tell her some things. Girl. Oh, wait a so, minute. Yeah. <laughs> But I See, I think y'all do that for horror flicks. Y'all can talk through horror flicks. Y'all can't talk to me with a serious movie. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to watch. Uh, but, yes, it was a good experience. I had a good, yeah, a good well. weekend. All That's right, good. now. Who else is on the show? I know Liz is up here because Liz is going to debut her segment, which I can't wait. Jesus, <laughs> can we just start it now? But I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. How you doing, Liz? I'm good. See, you guys How was your weekend? Yeah, was great. You know, the first weekend in March that I just didn't do anything. Like, oh, really? I just relaxed. I let my I let my body relax. I I did. Other than you know, little errands, I didn't do anything. 
Well, I need it, so yeah. I don't believe that yeah. coming from Liz. <laughs> well, sometimes you just need that time to do nothing. Exactly. Amen. I'm gonna get that back. I haven't had it yet, but okay. It's coming. It's coming. One day. And what about Mr. Nate? Are you out of prison this week? (laughs) You know, I I had to go back in because I had a lot of things to take care of. Oh Lord! I'm so happy to hear. Yes, in jail. (laughs) So I'm so happy to hear that everybody had such an awesome weekend. Fulfilled with fulfillment and got to watch movies. One of the things that I got to see, we did watch um, Driving Miss Daisy, which I thought was a really good. It was the (laughs) show of the week here. And I tell you, we kicked back and we watched that and we laughed and we cried. I really (laughs) wish I could have gotten a revelation this week. Since I didn't, I really enjoyed what I did, was able to get. Um, Hopefully I'll be getting out shortly. Oh, well, I cooked this week, so it was oh, pretty cook. good. Um, you have a job in there. Yeah, okay. sometimes they'll let me cook every now and again, you know, because wow. the inmates, they, they really get upset about the food. So that's normally a call me and say, we need you to come back this weekend. So oh, I'll go in and I'll cook up a little wow. something for them. But well, you know, I'm, I'm shortly, I should be getting out shortly because I have to go to school in the morning. So I'm waiting oh. for my Uber driver to come get me. Wow. Or to all right, take me Uber. home. Right. But I'm yeah, really happy to, to hear be. of all of the great movies that are out. Like I can't wait to get out so I can watch some, if I don't come back too soon. But I hope I can get out and watch some of these movies. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, I'm going to need you to stay <laughs> out, honey. Stay out. Alicia. Stop going back. Well, yeah. once you go, Alicia, you um, sometimes you. I mean, okay, you. I okay, never mind. Not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about that life, Nate. I'm sorry. I'm not about that life. I don't know. <laughs> so, Alicia, what's tonight's show about? Whew. You know, this is the week where, for most of us in America, the children return back to school. And tonight, yeah. what we're going to do is analyze one teacher's firsthand account how she was driven out of the public school system. Um, She actually made the decision to leave public school and start teaching private school. And, you know, many teachers talk about how they're finding their jobs increasingly difficult um, because of the school reforms. There's a lack of funding. And we talked, you know, earlier about the Atlanta teacher scandal where there's an overemphasis on standardized testing. Um, along with a lot of other uh, um, issues. So tonight's show is devoted to just education, um, especially to some of the most hardworking people that make one of the most greatest impact in the world, and that's on our children and teaching our children. And, you know, on that same note, it was an interesting article that I was reading this weekend. Mm-hmm. According to a study, it's 2014 study by the Civil Rights Project, and is co-authored by Gary Orfield, which is a UCLA law professor. Um, the study found that 60 years after the landmark desegregation case, Brown versus the Board of Education, segregation in Americans' primary education has significantly increased since the 1980s. Um, schools that are, you know, schools that are almost exclusively serving minority children tend to have far fewer resources than most white majority counterparts, which is leading to high teacher turnover, 
less experienced or qualified teachers, less structure, less attention, worse access to opportunities, and, you know, yielding poorer grades, according to the report. And it found that about two out of five African-American children attend schools that are less than 10% white. Black and Latino students tend to be in schools with a substantial majority of poor children, while white and Asian students are typically in middle-class schools. So my question to the panel is, since Congress has failed to pass major education reform since 2002, do you think that integration still matters in public schools? And do you realistically think this whole problem will ever be solved? I know we're throwing you a deep one this weekend. <laughs> well, this is Nate. I guess I'll go first. I guess I'll go out of order. Okay. And one of my things that I feel is I feel the worst thing that could have happened to school is integration. Because black kids have been, like, so left behind. I don't want to say left behind, but just we, we're not anxious. We don't have a voice in the school system. And I think we're lost in the shuffle, and our kids aren't as educated, or there aren't they they're not given as much of the push that they used to get when, like Will grandmother when she used to teach, you know, just her methods of teaching and how she used to take her time with that student, and I just believe that. So I don't think I think it's always going to be a problem because as black, and I'm just speaking as an African-American man, we're always going to be left behind in the system. Mm. This is Danielle. I want to hear a lot from older, you know, a lot of time from the older population that did live back in that time frame. That That's an argument that's that comes up a lot. Nate. I'm sorry, Danielle, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, to piggyback off of what Nate said, I actually had a conversation with my grandparents who were attending school when it was segregated, and they had a better experience. So I do see how integration has caused some issues, but I think now it's more of the socioeconomic issue. It's mm-hmm. not just the race thing, because there are money. there is money in school systems where there are people who can put the money in that school system. So um, when I grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia, we had some populations who were well-to-do, and they pushed money into our schools. So you saw the books and you saw the technology because they funded it. And then there were some other schools and other populations that didn't get the same funding, so they didn't have the nice textbooks and they didn't have the technology. So I think Mm -hmm. also to... To add the race is one thing because there is still a race issue, but also now there's a class issue and where we're putting funding because we're adding yeah. money to certain school systems, but it depends on the school system as well. Right. But exactly. it just killed me because the it's a public school, so mm-hmm. it shouldn't be on the private sector to fund mm-hmm. the school. The state should fund the school, just like with your state colleges, it's crazy to see one state college because it's black go under versus a state college that's white, and you don't understand. I mean, I don't understand. Well, how is one different from the other? They're both state colleges. You would think the state would take up the slack to make sure that they both stay abreast. However, 
you have the private sector or your alumni or those um, who support the school. And like Danielle mm-hmm. was saying, you know, their children go to that school, so they want the school to be a success, um, yep. not not necessarily for an individual student, but just because their child go there. You know, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that your child have the best. But I feel the word is public school, so it should be something that the state um, or even uh, even the on a on a, a larger scale, you know, should be it should be up to. Um, our congressmen to make sure that we have that funding in schools. I agree, and it's uh-huh. equal. It's an equal playing field for all students. So exactly, you know, yeah. Based on where you live, is not going to determine what kind of education you receive. Exactly. Right. And you know, the study did say um, their recommendation was broad structural reform. Uh, which included more aggressively addressing housing discrimination, redrawing mm-hmm. school districts in ways to diversify the school populations, shifting charter school missions to focus on diversity, to paying higher teacher salaries. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, as you can imagine, um, just from the story, it's not that simple. It's nothing mm-hmm. we're going to be able to fix like that. And, you know, even with the things that they said right there, we all know there's a whole gamut of additional issues that we can add to that list. So this, exactly. even though it's a serious problem, it's not something we can say, oh, okay, in five years we'll be done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, listening to tonight's topic, you can see why there's so many issues with the public school system. There's so much mm-hmm. pressure on teachers. And this is going to have and is having an impact on our kids. Definitely. Exactly. But, you know. And their education. Uh, exactly. So it is something we, we seriously need to review and look at and play a active role in. But I wanted to move to a lighter hot topic. Um, of course, I know how one person feels about the first part of what I'm going to say, but last week we talked about the Kentucky court clerk, court clerk Kim Davis, and her refusal to marry couples of the same gender. Well, This week we had Maria Goldstein, which is a suburban Chicago woman who accused Office Depot of religious discrimination because she said that employees told her that making copies of an anti-abortion prayer violated the company policy. Now, she walked in last month to the Office Depot in Schaumburg, Illinois, asked them to make 500 copies of what was called a prayer for Planned Parenthood. Um, The prayer talked about calling on God to bring an end to the killing of children in the womb and bring an end to the sale of their body parts. Um, You know, it it talked about statistics on abortion in the U.S., and it decreed that the evil that has been exposed in Planned Parenthood and in the entire abortion industry – but the handout was part of a week-long prayer and fasting campaign that aimed to change opinions on abortion. And the update from the story was that Office Depot said, in response to the numerous comments that they recently received regarding the printing of those documents, that they contacted her representative to explain <coughs> excuse me, that the store's associate's decision to not print the order was not based on religious beliefs, but on the fact that her order contains certain words and phrases that could be construed as graphic, 
to advocate persecution on groups of people which violated the company's policy and um, copy order. Um, but they did say once they reviewed it, they determined it wasn't a clear violation. They apologized. She could come back, print the flyers that she wished. They also said that customers can feel free to use the self-service copy machines in the store, and they would not have to be subject to the policy. So my question is, do you believe that Office Depot racially discriminated against Ms. Goldstein? Because what I would want to say would be hypocritical against the chick that got out of jail against my wishes. We ain't so talking about I her really, this week, We ain't talking about her this yeah, week. Yeah, I've been watching Let's move on. Office Depot. Um, Office Depot. Because I'm always for do your job. Yeah. If, if you if you make copies, make copies. Stay out of her stuff. Just, just print it. But then again, right. they did offer that, you know, she could come in and do self-serve, but why should she have to do self-serve when they offer that as a service? So I guess I'll just have to try to remain um, fair and say that they should just do the job. So I think they did um, discriminate against her. That's what I would say. Well, at what point do you say that? Where do you draw the line? I mean, do you print everything? You draw the or? line if they perhaps – are printing flyers of maybe like me hanging from a tree. Oh, you know what I'm oh, saying? Wow. Okay. Kill the N word. You, you you draw the line there, but just because they're um, maybe a little ambiguous in their beliefs, maybe because I, I, as a matter of fact, in my what is it, psychology of sex class, we were talking about um, the lady who began Planned Parenthood, and they're always talking about um, they want to do away from it, <clears throat> but the government doesn't need fund. The portion that does abortions, they they fund the things that do like the mammograms, the STD checks, and stuff like that. So a lot of people have misconceptions about Planned Parenthood anyway. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the details that went behind what they didn't want to print. Um, you know, you know, you said something about abortion. Well, I'm, it, I need more clarification to say that they shouldn't have printed. But looking at it at face value, just do your job and print the ladies' flyers. That's what I say. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And this is what say you? Okay. Okay, and I don't see racial issue here. So um, it seems like that she, based on the things she was attempting to print, there's some controversy here regarding abortion and religion. Um, Not so much race, but those kinds of issues. I agree that the company has the right to have a policy and abide by the, the policy, but I also think that you need to train your staff to understand and discern what fits in the policy and what doesn't um, so you don't have these kinds of issues. But I don't see that it was a racial issue. I do think that they should have copied her work and just let her be about her business and keep it moving. And I don't think the answer is saying, hey, well, next time copy it yourself either. Um, I thought that was a little rough for Office Depot to put out. But, you know. That's that's my opinion. I thought and, um, it was somewhat uh, hypocritical. Yes. Because you're telling me that, you know, you can't print my things because it violates your policy, but you're free to use self-service. Mm-hmm. Why have right. a policy then if I'm going to tell you how to break the law, 
you know, breaks the rules of my business. That doesn't. Definitely. Mm. So I'll take your money. I'm just not going to do it for you. Okay. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. But, hey, we are in America. We are indeed. Nobody else had anything to say? Nate, you don't have anything to say about that? I think he had to go back to uh, prison detail. I think they might be having Bible study right now. Here, here's right. that later. They let him out. Okay. Well, we want to go ahead and move on with the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we get right back, we're going to start our show um, with some pretty amazing guests. So you're listening yeah. to Let's Face It. I'm Will Strayhorn, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Touch DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. We've got more food in our country than we know what to do with. Food at the grocery store and food in the vending machines, fast food, health food, and seafood. We've got so much food that anything people don't buy, we just throw out. Yet 17 million kids in America struggle with hunger. That ain't right. Luckily, the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks as volunteers gathering excess food and getting it to hungry kids. They're kind of like food angels. Yeah, I made that up. It's kind of catchy. Hello, people. This isn't rocket science. We could solve hunger today. To start, become a food angel yourself by supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. That's a website. Duh. We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Have you seen Dr. Roberts about that sore in your mouth? Nah, I'm sure it'll go away. But it's been weeks. It could be oral cancer. Mouth cancer? Yeah. I read that it's more common in African-American men than in any other group. All right, all right. I'll make an appointment. Do you have a tough guy in your house? Make sure he sees a doctor or dentist if he has a sore in his mouth that lasts more than two weeks. If it is oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Let's Face It, one of the hottest talk radio shows on the web. Are you looking for more exposure for your brand, product, event, or special story? Let's Face It Radio is the place for you. We're also seeking guest experts specializing in sex and relationships, health and wellness, politics, law, spirituality and religion, just to name a few. Looking for low-cost marketing opportunities? We'll look no further. We offer multiple advertising campaigns via website ads or audio commercial opportunities played live during the show. Visit www.letsfaceitradio.com and complete the appropriate contact form for more information. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm Danielle Booz. Our first guest tonight is Stephanie Cowles. She says she had to make a decision that she called one of the hardest decisions of her life, to quit her job in the public school system and start teaching at a private school. Please join me in welcoming Stephanie Cowles to Let's Face It. Thank you. Happy to be here. How are you tonight, Stephanie? I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. Can you take us back to the day when you made the decision to leave the public school system? Sure. Um, you know, I, I started teaching, uh, this is my 13th year, and I spent the last nine years um, in a middle school with a talented gifted program. And when I got the job, I thought I had died and gone to heaven, like this is it, I'm going to be here until I retire sometime in my 60s. You know, it's wonderful. And you know, in the past nine years, thanks to Race to the Top and No Child Left Behind, and um, I really got to the point where last year I didn't really love my job, and I was not the only one in my building, and we would have these little discussions like, what else can we do? Where else can we go? And I was fortunate that I knew somebody who was teaching at a private school who sent me an email message um, like at the end of May saying, hey, we have a teacher retiring. Put an application in. So I ended up interviewing and getting offered the job. And um, by the time we negotiated back and forth and I went in and talked to them, it was about three weeks or so. And um, it still wasn't really real like, yeah, I'm leaving. And so the day that I actually had to go in and put in my resignation papers, that's when it hit me. Like, you know, I really liked the people I was working with. I really liked the kids. You know, I was comfortable. I liked what I was teaching. And it was just kind of devastating. So I, you know, resigned and then I drove home and I started to cry. Like, yes, I'm excited about my new job, but this shouldn't have to happen. I should not have been kind of forced out um, because I, it, you know, it wasn't making me happy anymore. So it was real. It was a very tough decision. Um, but it was kind of. It, I mean, I'm glad I made it now. I love where I am, but. Again, it, you know, it shouldn't have to be, and, and I shouldn't be hearing from everybody like, oh, you're so lucky you got out. I mean, wow. we have a very demoralized group of educators these days mm -hmm. So in the public schools. It sounds like it. And hi, Stephanie, this is Alicia Brown. Um, now that you left the public school system for the private, can you tell us what's the major difference as it pertains to educators? Um. The major difference is being treated like a professional as opposed to a child. Wow. Um, because with all the stuff that was coming down from the state and from, from the feds, I mean, it was like teachers, we were not autonomous anymore. We had to follow everybody's directions and do what everybody was telling us to do, even though we knew it was not good for kids. And it was really kind of um, infantilizing. <laughs> like it, it made us feel like children. And now I'm treated like an adult. Um, 
and for you know, like my evaluation, I'm going to be evaluated by two math, two expert math teachers who are going to come into my classroom and sit and watch me, as opposed to an administrator with a checklist because it's been mandated by the state that everybody has to use a certain evaluation system, and it really consists of walking in and checking things off. Oh, are your learning goals on the wall? Okay, check. And you know, things that just weren't going to help anybody become a better teacher, first of all, and um, that were just ridiculous and had no bearing on anybody's education. I mean, we all made it through our education without our learning goals on the wall. Why all of a sudden is it like mandatory? So, you know, it's just the little things that, that we were forced to do in public education that we don't have to do um, at a private school. And I've wow. got to tell you, having you know, 15 kids in a class as opposed to 35 is, is like heaven. Oh wow! <laughs> That's the best part of the whole thing. I imagine. Now, you know the struggle. You you know what led you to make that decision. Yeah. To other advice, you know, other educators who are just at that same breaking point, and they used to love what they did, but just can't right. bear it anymore. Would you advise them to seek the private school system as an alternative? I mean, I guess it would depend on the private school. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I know um, in states that have vouchers, for example, Louisiana, there are some private schools that really are not so hot. Um, uh, but if you can get into a good private school, I would recommend anybody do it. Um, mm. You know, it's it's a great. I mean, I really, I I'm so jazzed about this school year. I'm back to waking up and looking forward to going into school again. Um, I'm just happy. Like I'm just so much happier than I was last year. Um, so yeah, I would I would advise it. But and it makes me sad though because I am such a strong believer in a, in a strong public school system. I mean that's to me the backbone of our democracy. If we don't educate our children, you know, then our country's we're going nowhere. So it, you know it's kind of agonizing, and I feel bad saying yeah leave leave leave. But you know it just gets to a point where. You just can't take it anymore, and you know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are thinking about not only leaving public school but leaving teaching, right? And especially a lot of the younger teachers. I mean, in, in my old district where I was, you know, you started three years ago, and you're making the same amount of money that you were three years ago. And, oh, wow! You know, it's mm-hmm. tough, and especially when you make decisions based on what used to be. Well, you know, when I took my job, I was like, well, in 10 years I know that I'm going to be making X amount of money, so maybe I'm a little house poor now, but, you know, in seven or eight years when my salary gets bumped up, I'm going to be okay. And then the bump doesn't happen. And then you're like, what do I do now? Um, And I know that's happening to a lot of people. You know, I've heard teachers talking about being in danger of losing their houses. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's... uh, it's not good. Hi, Ms. Kyle. This is Liz Garrett. Hi. Um, I have a question. So do you feel there's a need to fight for public schools? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely there is. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm, I still want to do it. You know, I've been very involved. I'm part of a group called Save Michigan's Public Schools, and we put on a rally a couple of years ago in the state capitol, and... Um, I've testified in front of, uh, of House committees against raising the cap on charter schools. I've testified against Common Core. Um, so, I, you know, I have a big mouth, so it's hard for me to keep quiet, <laughs> and I will fight for public education. I just, I'm doing it from without now as opposed to doing it from within. 
I appreciate your passion and your ability to advocate for the public school system because for me, my children attend public school like so many others in America. And, you know, we just sent our kids back to school this week. So I was wondering if you have any advice for parents to give them some real issues that they need to be aware of for the children that are still in public schools. What do they need to know? Well, first of all, I mean, to me, one of the worst things is the over-testing of kids. Um, you know, we had, we had sixth graders sitting for three-hour tests, and that's ridiculous. Adults mm. can't sit for three-hour tests. So the first thing I would do for parents is that I would really pay attention to what testing is going on, and I would fight any standardized tests that have really no meaning. Um, mm-hmm. And I would actually encourage parents to opt out, actually, of standardized testing, um, because if you if you starve the beast, then it will die. So, um, but parents need to really be aware of, um, of that. They need to be aware of, of the funding issues, and I guess it depends on the state. Um, here in Michigan, they, like, Lansing collects all the money. They collect sales tax and some property tax, and then they disperse it to school. So you know, the question is, well, wh- wh- you know, why aren't we getting more money, and, and you know, why, how are you making your budgets, and... Um, I think parents just need to really be aware of what's going on financially um, in oh. terms of um, their schools being funded properly. So, wow. you know, testing and funding, I think, are the two big issues. And, you know, that brings up a good point, too. Um, you have those issues. But so often, whether it's media or just in the school system itself, there seems to be so much animosity towards teachers, and they really get it from, you know, parents, and then you get it from sometimes other faculty members. Why, what is the explanation for that? You know what? I don't know. I mean, it's very interesting because if you talk to parents, they'll, they'll, they'll sing praises about their kids' teacher, but then they'll demonize teachers in general, like, oh, you know, you're part-time, you don't work full hours, you're overpaid, what are you complaining about, it's an easy job you have, you only work nine to three. And it, because, because everybody went to school, they think they know what teachers do. And mm-hmm. our job is so much harder, we don't work nine to three. You know, I, I basically spend my entire Sunday grading papers and going through stuff and, you know, evening. So I don't know where the animal animosity comes from. Really the only thing I could think of is it really has a basis in misogyny because we're pretty much a female teaching force in this country now. Um, I think like elementary school teachers, it's close to 90% female now. Um, and so my personal theory is, to, is that if you go back like nine or ten years, you're right, teachers loved their jobs. Like teachers, mm-hmm. they, it was so rewarding. And teachers were happy. When I first started teaching, I was happy. Um, and then I think like people started looking like this group of pe- women that were happy all the time, like kind of jealous, almost like that's you know why should you get this and I don't get it, and I and I think it's kind of rooted in that. Like I I think it's it's women, you know, that we're women and um, we're kind of resented. Wow. So, Ms. Styles, do you believe that there are those that, who are committed to destroying public education? And if so, how can we stop them? Oh, I definitely believe there are some. Um, that's a really good question. Here in Michigan, um, 
basically the Republican Party is doing everything they can to privatize public education. Um, they are, you know, we just had uh, in the, the governor's bud last budget, like regular school districts got minimal increases in funding, but the charter schools all got like a hundred bucks a head more. Um, and they just see, they're just so focused on the business model, like that it's competition is good and choice is good and parents should have choice. And then that's their, their big thing is choice, 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 choice. And I was like, well, you, you have a choice between a bad school and a worse school. Why is choice good for you? Um, because a lot of these charters that pop up really are, are not doing a good job. Some are, but most are not. Um, so, but, and I think it's, it's beyond even the local parties. I think um, you're looking at um, like the Koch brothers and this whole corporate movement that they just see schools as a business. And, um, you know, how can they make money off of it? Well, it was hard to make money off public education, but, you know, if we open charter schools, and um, then there's a profit motive. In, in Michigan, I think 80% uh, of charter schools are for-profit. Mm. So instead of money going to teachers and programs, um, they're going into the pockets of the owners of the of the schools. Mm. So it's a concerted effort. Um, it's it's mostly the far right wing, I would say, or kind of in that realm of the political spectrum that just sees public schools as as evil. Um, so we have in Michigan, uh, we have a think tank, and, I, and I'm using the term loosely because they're not, um, <laughs> called the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. And anytime there's anything a teacher says about anything, they have to jump on it. Like when we had our rally at the Capitol, um, their big headline was, you know, you know big anti-choice rally at the Capitol. And we're like, no, we are here supporting public education. So um, when my essay came out, they wrote a hit piece on me. And they mm -hmm. really attacked me and called me a liar, that I'm lying about my salary, that I, you know, that I'm claiming that, that I just get by and that that's ridiculous and they lied about how much money I made and they really made me look out to look like completely greedy. So you have people like that that are just anything good from the public schools, they just have to shoot it down and make it look bad. And, um, you know, after a while you start yelling the same message and the same message and somebody's going to hear it. So, you know, it's hard to fight it um, other than you know, being in people's faces and trying to talk to the legis your legislators, but it's hard. I mean, it really has to be, it can't just be a few voices in the wilderness. It's really got to be parents have to join in and teachers have to join in and stop being afraid to speak up. And there really has to be a, a giant movement saying, stop, this is not what we want. You know, we, we're here for public education um, and, and we need to, to stop all of the forces that are trying to uh, do away with it. But the big thing is parents. Parents really need to be aware, and I think a lot of people are not really aware of what's going on. To, to, that, to the statement you just made about parents being involved um, to kind of help with this movement, as a society, what can a, a society do to help better support teachers and, and to improve the situations in, in public schools? Gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, mm -hmm. I think society as a whole just starts to, they need to start 
looking at us in a different light and not as mm-hmm. drains on society that are taking their tax dollars and with our with our pensions that you know people have this misconception that we have these massive pensions mm-hmm. um, and we're living high on the hog when we retire so um, I think society really needs to take a look at at what they want for our society do you want you know a strong teaching force that we're educated and we're passionate and we're dedicated or do you want to have do you want those people to leave and do you want to just have like temp teachers coming in like teach for america i'm going to be here for two years and i'm going to leave and um you know that society really needs to make a choice are we going to are we going to change things are we going to really invest in education or are we just going to let it go yeah so it sounds like we need a perspective shift and we do. We need to focus again on the children. And and you made a statement earlier about them needing this education in order for our country to continue to thrive. Because if we aren't educated, we won't be able to have a workforce that can go out here and and make those changes and evolve and grow as a society, a whole society. So right. I and I, and, I, and I find it really interesting that like the same people who are um, complaining about people, you know, you're on welfare, you're not doing this, mm-hmm. are the same people who don't want to educate those children in those neighborhoods, right? Okay, you know, oh, Detroit, they're all welfare queens, whatever. Well, do you want to invest in the schools in, in Detroit? And the mm-hmm. answer is no, they don't want to invest in them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, Definitely. So... Um, yeah, you, and I actually the biggest thing to me, the biggest thing to me that society could do is is give kids a great place to go to school. That is my biggest pet peeve is that what we're doing to these kids. I mean, if you went to work in a building that was, you know, leaky and moldy and nothing worked, you know, you wouldn't be too happy about being there. And and I think that's the message that a lot of these kids get from our society is you're not worth anything because look at the building we want you to go to every day. So I think society needs to like really think about what what we're going to do for these kids and, and, you know, making school a place where they're going to not only want to go or have to go but want to go, like that it's going to be a place where they know that they're going to get a great education, that somebody cares about them, and then that's how you make productive citizens. It's not, totally you know, right. shoving them in, in horrible schools with classes of 40 and inexperienced teachers and, and thinking that, you know, you're going to close the achievement gap. Miss Cowles, you have shared, I really appreciate you sharing your experience and your perspectives and giving us all this awesome information. As a parent, I feel empowered to, to step out and do a little bit more. Um, Great. And I really want to thank you for sharing your story with us. And I'd like to know how our listeners can stay in touch with you or reach out to you. Um, I would guess that the best way would be through email, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, if they want to email me, I don't really want to give my phone number out. But um, definitely, uh, yeah. So my email is um, it's s as in Sam, k as in kite, f as in Frank, i n as in Nancy, a and then the number two at gmail dot com. So it's s k s i n a two at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way. And uh, I, I check my email like everybody else, probably like five <laughs> times a day. So um, yeah, I'm happy to to engage anybody in this. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing yes. your experience and giving us all this information. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, now we're going to head Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm Alicia Brown. Earlier we discussed many of the pressures facing today's educators, and one of the best examples of that was the Atlanta, Georgia teacher scandal. An investigation by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, released in July 2011, found that 44 out of 56 schools cheated on the 2009 test. There were over 178 teachers and principals that were found to have corrected answers that were entered by students. The size of the scandal had been described as one of the largest in the U.S. history. And one of the men at the helms of this case was attorney Gerald Griggs, who served as the lawyer for teacher Angela Williamson. So please help me welcome to Let's Face It, attorney Gerald Griggs. And Gerald, how are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, in your opinion, what were the real issues that the educators faced in that scandal? I think the real issues were the uh, dynamics of the, um, the CRCT and the pressure from the, the top uh, to achieve scores in an underfunded um, school system uh, that was statewide. And I think that Atlanta Public Schools was made a scapegoat for uh, a situation that started long before in, uh, in the passage of No Child Left Behind, and it culminated in that trial that lasted eight months where you had, um, you know, 12 educators uh, on trial for the ills of a system that had failed them. Mm. And, you know, I keep hearing that common theme of No Child Left Behind, and you would think that just listening to, of course, what the inception of that concept was, how could this be so problematic? But in that scandal, do you feel that justice was served? Absolutely not. And I think that, you know, for eight months sitting in that courtroom listening to witness after witness that did not deal directly with the 12 defendants that were on trial was a disservice of justice and a miscarriage of justice. And I think ultimately uh, the verdict, even though it was returned by, you know, 12 citizens and we respect the verdict, we respectfully disagree with the verdict. And then the harsh sentences that were handed down um, by the judge in a case that he, he stated was the worst thing that's ever happened in Atlanta, Georgia, was just a travesty. And I think and I hope that greater powers in the appellate court will see to overturn this, this conviction and will actually bring some closure uh, because, again, no child has been helped by this verdict. No child has been mm. helped by those convictions. And no child is currently being helped uh, by what happened in that courtroom. Well said. Well said. Yes. Attorney Griggs, this is Will Strayhorn. Thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, thank you. Um, so, sir, you are the founder of Free Our Teachers Incorporated. Can you briefly tell us what the organization is about and why you founded it? Yes, I'm one of the co-founders um, with three other individuals. Um, but the purpose of the, the, the foundation is to, um, the, the, uh, the um, corporation, is to provide resources for teachers and children in underfunded school districts uh, so we never have anything that happened in Atlanta public schools happen again. Because I think what a lot of policymakers are failing to realize is if you don't fund these, these uh, institutions and give the teachers the tools 
uh, necessary. You can't expect to raise test scores and just have miraculous turnarounds without, you know, actually giving the resources. So our, our job and our goal is to provide those resources to go in and educate uh, the teachers on the access to resources and, and to actually help children um, that have been affected or that will be affected um, by standardized tests and the push to raise these test scores on standardized testing. Attorney Griggs, this is Nathan Whitfield, and I was wondering what are the main um, rights that your organization is fighting for when it comes to teachers? Well, what we're fighting for is for teachers to have a voice. And I think in, in the South, unlike the North where you have teacher unions, we don't really have a voice for the teacher. Um, you know, in this particular case, the teachers were told by the school system to go and cooperate or they will be fired. Uh, and, and it's kind of curious that you face the, the either be fired or be arrested, which is completely illegal uh, under uh, Garrity which is United States Supreme Court case law, you can't be given that ultimatum. So there's no advocate stating for the teachers what they can and cannot do, what their rights are and are not, and we want to stand in that gap to provide those resources not only to the children but to provide advocacy for the teachers. Uh, so a lot of teachers really didn't understand that they didn't have to speak to anybody. Um, they had a right to, to stand on their constitutional rights, not speak to anybody, and, and not to to do anything without counsel, and I think that that's where the miscarriage of justice started because it wasn't like the governor's investigators went in with, you know, hard evidence. They went in trying to get individuals to tell on each other instead of going to the actual children and going to the actual teachers that were in the classroom to find out what actually happened, and what it culminated into was, you know, one teacher being convicted for coughing during a test or one teacher being convicted for uh, signaling during a test, when none of that actually occurred, if you listen to the evidence, none of that actually occurred, and none of it was actually a violation of um, the state of Georgia's policies on how to administer a test. Mm. So, Attorney Briggs, I want to ask one more question. Um, so do, do most teachers know their rights? I would think, I, I think not. Um, mm. Just by how this whole case was handled and how now teachers come to me and, and ask about their rights and, and, you know, we get invited to a lot of conferences by, by teachers, I don't think they do. And I think that's a disservice by the, the teacher unions um, that are, well, they're not unions, the teacher associations in the South are not doing the And with No Child Left Behind, there's immense pressure on teachers to hit certain uh, goals. And now with, in Georgia, there's a new um, effort to tie their accreditation or their licenses to, to test scores, so it's 50% of their evaluation. So these teachers need to understand how the evaluation tool works, how they can best uh, protect their license, and what they may face if they are ever in a dilemma like this one. But in that case, Attorney Griggs, what can they really do? Because it, it, to me it seems unbalanced that you are trying to tie those standardized tests into their evaluation, at least when you weigh it that heavily. Well, I mean, it's a lot of things they can do. They can always go to their local school boards and request waivers on, on their tests and their test scores. 
if they feel like a, ch- a child is not going to meet the standard or they feel like a, the, the whole class is not going to meet the standard, uh, they can petition and, and get the laws changed with regard to now it's the milestones test, but before it was the CRCT. A whole mm-hmm. school system can ask for an exemption uh, from the test. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that can, that can happen and it can, that can be done, but if as a teacher, as a classroom teacher, you don't know these things because you're not being educated to what the law is and what exemptions do exist and what mm-hmm. actions you can take if you feel like you're being pressured to do something that's wrong, I think that it's our goal to step in that gap and inform those teachers of those rights. And yeah, and you know, from just the sounds of it, it's definitely needed um, because one of the things that we're, we're seeing is that the teachers do feel completely powerless and that yes. they're up against a system that's so much bigger than they are. So it's this choice, do I want to keep my job or can I afford to walk away? Yeah, but, and, you know, and that's a difficult early, decision. It is. It, it mm-hmm. absolutely is. But, you know, early in the show we were discussing the 2014 Civil Rights Project study um, that mm-hmm. talked about how segregation in American primary education has significantly increased since the 1980s. How mm-hmm. does Free Our Teachers, Inc. plan to address this issue as well as the other related problems that are caused in part by it? You, you mean by segregation and, and now integration? Is that what the question is? It, yes, sir, and just all of the disparities we have um, with with the way children are represented in the poorer communities. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a concern of Free Our Teachers, and what we're going to do is, again, to provide as many resources as we can to those underfund, underfunded, mainly um, poverty-stricken districts uh, that ask for our help. So. I mean, I, I don't know what the statistics show with regard to, you know, segregation and, and integration and, and its effect on these districts. All I can do is deal with the children who don't have that, that needed funding and those teachers that don't have the needed funding and try to step into the gap and provide those. I mean, you know, in this case, we learned that there were teachers who were providing clothing and food to their children and were mm-hmm. still expected to teach them to such a level that they exceeded on a test. I mean, if you're a child and you didn't eat that whole, right. that whole week, the only time you get food is when you come to school, I think that we have bigger problems than just teaching to a test. Right. Uh, so I think that's what Free Our Teachers is trying to do. It's trying to put a spotlight on the actual issue, and that's, you know, that's underfunding of our public schools. Uh, and whatever the reason it caused it, you know, we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on actually, you know, solving the problem. You know, so, I mean, that's, what we, that's where our position is. And how would you answer to those who just say that you're, you're, you're up against a losing battle? The problem's hmm. just too massive. It can't be fixed. Well, as a father of a seven-year-old, I don't believe any problem is too big to fix, and I, I think that we owe it to our children to fight, whether it's a winning a cause or a losing cause, we still need to fight. So I would say let's, let's, let's table the argument that it's a losing battle and let's roll up our sleeves and let's get out there and let's get in the battle because I think what you can find is if you just save one, two, ten, fifteen, a yeah. hundred, a thousand, that's a thousand more that are not going into the, uh, the pipeline. And, I mean, that's what people don't realize is, you know, if we give up on this battle, there's another pipeline out there, and it's called the, the prison industrial complex. Mm. So, I mean, when you tie these standardized test scores to in third grade to the number of prison space beds we're going to set aside, 
you have to understand that this is a battle that you need to get in on the front end instead of paying for incarceration in the back end. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, well, that's what I would say to those individuals. Yes. Well, Attorney Griggs, what are the needs of Free Art Teachers Incorporated, and how can some of our listeners support this effort? So we have a lot of teachers in our area that have tuned in, especially because of the theme of the show. Um, what are some of your needs, and, and how can our, our listeners support you? Well, well, right now we need support. Uh, they can go to freeourteachersnow.com and, and pledge support. They can also get resources and ask us to come out to their, uh, to their schools, to their organizations, to their community groups, and, and explain to them what their rights may very well be. And, again, we can always be reached at www.freeourteachersnow.com. It, uh, it has a support link on there. It also has a join us link, and it has a, 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 a um, we'll come out to uh, give seminar link. So just go to the portal, the website, and we'll be able to uh, get in contact with those individuals and, and you know, help in any pa- in capacity that we can. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final words or remarks perhaps that we feel to ask you that you'd like to say? Sure. I I think, and it's kind of following up on that last question, you know, children are our our best resource for the future. And if we don't fight for them now, we're going to deal with bigger systemic issues later. Like I said before, the prison industrial complex is real. And if we don't invest in our children's education, we're just going to be investing in their incarceration. So it's not a losing battle. It's the most needed battle that we have uh, going into into the next election and going into the next uh, decade. So I think that people need to help us help the children. Otherwise, you're going to be dealing with uh, the children in other aspects, and I don't think anybody wants to do that. All right, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. You've given us a lot of information, um, and we wish you and your organization the very best. Thank you, and yeah. thank you for um, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, have a good day. All right. You bye-bye. too. Well, awesome information. Yeah. Um, definitely enjoyed hearing that, especially right after Stephanie Kills. Um, lots of information for our teachers, and especially that part about rights, um, because I think that's the piece that really uh, is overlooked and, and ignored. But, you know, we're going to go to a quick commercial. And when we come back, I am so excited because Liz Garrett has an interesting segment that she's going to debut and on somewhat of a controversial topic. Uh, So join us back. We'll be right back on Let's Face It. Hey team, so today we have a little topic that I thought would be very interesting to talk about, Um, and I definitely have to hear everyone's opinion on the topic because I feel like we all come from different walks of life and we do different things, and I think it'll just be an interesting topic. So tonight we're going to talk about being on the down low. Um, Okay. (laughs) Let me shut up. Okay, go ahead, Liz. <sighs> Alicia, Ooh, you have I got to some questions. Last. You have to oh last. man, my big toe is like shaking. <laughs> Shoot. Okay, I'll be quiet. Go ahead, Liz. Uh, so as long as Liz don't mention my name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should go last. He should go last. 
Lord, have mercy. Uh, <laughs> so basically, um, lately, as in the last, really, I feel like the last few years, we've seen a lot of different um, people come, I guess you could say, out of the closet. Um, we have athletes, we have clergymen, mm. we have uh, artists, we have all people of different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to start this off with um, basically how do you feel about down low? Like how do you feel about someone being on the down low? Um, I know I always get a half and half. I have some people who say, well, it's none of anyone's business as long as they would do what they do. And then I have some people who say, well, you know, if you about it, be about it, what you hiding for, you know. So I, I, I want to start with how do y'all feel about the down low? Do I have to go last? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Alicia. Thank you you can go first. Go ahead. Thank you. Hallelujah, won't God do it? First of all, I have an issue with this topic. <laughs> you saying on the down low, okay? Mm-hmm. Because back in, well, I won't say back in the day, but I'm gonna say when the, I forgot who's the primary author that came out with that book that used the term down low. That was for a gay male who was sleeping with other men and didn't say anything. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people still say, well, that's that's person on the down low. Well, what if you're a female that sleeps with other women and don't say anything? To me, mm. it, it doesn't mean I'm always hiding it from my partner. You might just be a female that sleeps with other females, and you don't say anything. But my issue with that is, like you said earlier, there are people that say, well, it, you know, you have to live authentically, so why are you hiding the fact that, you know, you date people the same gender? My question is, we never have heterosexual people where I ask you, why do you sleep with, you know, opposite sex people? <laughs> so why do you feel like because someone's quote, unquote, uh, sleeping with someone of the same gender? You should know. I have said this at work so many times, different areas, whatever. Personally, I don't want to know what, who anyone sleeps with. I don't care who you sleep with, what you sleep with, if you sleep with anybody. You could be sleeping with a teddy bear. I don't care. I don't want to know. If we're not, you know what I'm saying, I just feel like if you're not sleeping with someone, why is it your business who they sleep with? And why do you really care if somebody else is sleeping with somebody the same gender or the opposite sex? You're not sleeping with them. It's none of your business. And I'm going to just pause on that point so other people can get their comments. Because you well, know now, I got a part two, three, four, five, whatever. Lisa just, she just confused me. Oh. Now, are we defining down low as men or women who have, who are in heterosexual? Yeah, we're doing a down low as, I guess you could say, the typical definition as a man oh, or okay. woman well, that's who sleeps with the opposite sex but doesn't but. tell, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, okay. See, I don't consider so, okay. that down, though, by itself exclusively. But go ahead, Nate. So, Alicia, <laughs> you're looking at it more as anybody who has it came out. Right, because it's, it's on the down low. It ain't none of your business. That's down low, too. Ain't none of your business. So it could be anything. See, definitions are important. That's why we must ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see, for me, I look at it from the original um, definition of it as, okay. and I think that's wrong. And for me, I take it to religion, to the church. Mm-hmm. I think Uh-oh. a lot of church men and women, they're having these down low relationships because 
churches put such a bad stigma on it oh. that these men who are open homosexuals, I mean, lime suits, lime shoes, <laughs> flowers, flowers wow. in their hair, purse falls out their mouth when they speak. Oh, and yet they're marrying these women because that's what mm-hmm. church feel is right. So they're marrying these women. But what is even crazier to go a little a little oh. higher, these women are marrying these gay men mm-hmm. knowing that they're gay uh-huh. and then they're sleeping with these men. But that's, wait, that's wait, in the wait. church. Wait, hold on, Nate. Can we pause? You say mm-hmm. who? You say uh-huh. what? What do you mean they marry these men that? that they know are gay? They marrying these men and they know they It is very common. They marry, they have kids. And And you know what? I did it. So I want to go on and testify. (laughs) I was married before. (laughs) I was married to a young lady simply because (laughs) I didn't want to feel like I was going to go to hell. Because, well, and it wasn't so funny. It wasn't so much my pastor that was preaching it. It was... Um, how I was raised, and okay. I was raised in a Kojic church. Mm. My Stop, uncle Sam, was, you ain't had to say the um, denomination, bro. Uh, and I mean, we was told Sunday after Sunday we was going to hell. And I, I tell this story all the time about my sister. My sister, they was just running down the list of everything that sends you to hell. And my sister said, you can't do nothing when you save. I guess I'll die and go to hell. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So because I didn't want to die and go to hell, I got me a wife. Okay. And, but I, yet I was still having desires to be with who I wanted to be with. And when I finally came out and and came out to myself first to God and to myself. And, you know, I was able to talk to some other people that were Christians, and they explained it to me. Then I became free indeed. Go on, Nate. So I just feel that Mm. the down low, I don't, I'm not going to knock it because some people have to do that to get they fixed. You know, it's like a drug dealer. Everybody don't want. Every, I mean, everybody don't want someone to know they own drugs. Oh, have so whatever you gotta do to get your fix, you get your fix. But I don't think wow. you should. I don't think whatever your fix is should affect others. Mm-hmm. I still want to go back to what you said about the straight women marrying men that they know are gay, and that's common. I'm trying to mm-hmm. figure out. I think her name is Jackie, the lady that was on. Sister oh Sister. yeah. Her husband is an openly gay man. Mm-hmm. Like, there was an article, I think it was in Ebony, where it was like 10 gay men who are married to women. Um. Oh, uh, on Atlanta Housewives, the guy, I forgot his name, Derek or whoever he is, but he's Derek married Jay. to a woman. Wow. Derek who? Jay? No, he's a, Dwight. Dwight. Oh, oh Dwight. Dwight is married. Oh, oh, she is a real. Oh, y'all lying. Oh, man. No, he ain't. Ain't no way in the world, honey. I remember the article. Yeah, but you know, I remember him saying that before, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. 
Oh, oh, so, oh, yeah, you knew that, honey. Okay, never mind. I'm going to have to meditate anyway. on that one. I'm going to meditate. Okay. And I can, I can appreciate if you are aware, but don't sign me up for a relationship and you on the download. So Amen. I don't mm-hmm. particularly care about what other people do, but if you're trying to lay beside me, I need to know what's going on. So mm-hmm. what we can't do is lay beside Danielle and then lay beside John. Because let's be open and honest because and, 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 and to be clear, I wanna make sure you're not sleeping with John, but I don't need you sleeping with Peggy Sue either. Amen. So let me know that you wanna sleep with one person or you want to sleep with multiple people, and let me decide if I want to be in this relationship. So I don't care about who who you land with as long as you know when you lay with me, it's me only, and we're we not all over the place with it. So that's my so I have a question for the, the females on the, on the oh, call today <laughs> because, you know, everybody want to be so um, – I'm not going to put a label on anything. I don't – I'm just, yeah. I'm free. I'm in free love. <laughs> you ain't got to yes. say it like that, Nate. <laughs> if if your, your spouse or your partner or whoever you were dating asked you or even told you that they wanted to sleep with the opposite sex, would you allow it? Wait, you hold on. The female? opposite sex? If, whatever, whatever you like. If you like <laughs> women... And she wanted to sleep with a man, or you mm-hmm. like men, and he wanted to sleep with another man. Okay, what would you would you be would, would you be open minded to allow that to happen, no. or do you think that opens the relationship up for other things? Well, I'll just say for me personally, <laughs> I am a monogamous person. So, to me. I mean, I'm not knocking anybody that has an open relationship, but to me, you have to be a certain person to agree to that. So I'm not a person to agree to we're going to have open relationship or, hey, you know, this is something that's in me and I want to go try, blah. That's fine. You can go try, but you need to go ahead and understand that means you exit this relationship. You go do that. You go do you, boo. You work that out. But you won't do it with me. I, I I didn't sign up for nothing open. I'm a one-on-one person. So, you know, that that's just me. Some other people may entertain that. I, I, no, negative. That's not going to work. I concur. Not having it. I'm good. <laughs> oh, God. Gosh, y'all just, uh, y'all not adventurous. No, I'm not adventurous. There's a lot of stuff we can do that's adventurous when we one-on-one. But let me just say this. <laughs> And see, here's my problem with the whole damn little thing, too, however you want to define it. I think we live in a time, honestly, you know, everybody has this whole hoopla about, oh, my God, the same sex this, and oh, my God, did it? I really don't care because, personally, I don't think anybody is anything. I think some people just like to sleep with everything. So today... Trisexual. Well, honey, that's right. They try everything. Apparently, you like everything. It's like, you know, me and my friends used to coin this expression, that's my flavor of the week. Well, some people just like different flavors every day of the week. So, you know, today you might be with a woman. Tomorrow you might be with a man. You might have seven people this week. Well, you know, you need to be with people. There's plenty of other people that don't mind that. 
Go with them and have your whole open thing. Y'all can have sex with everybody. Y'all can have sex swinging from chandeliers. Just get you someone that agrees to that. I'm a person that's big on sanitary stuff. So to me, that ain't going to work. Because you got Jill, John, Jack, Sue, Jane, all of this stuff all over you. I'm not trying to be with all those people. That ain't what I signed up for. One on one. with hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If bleach don't kill everything, hand sanitizer ain't going to help you neither. Just like last saw, you got to spray that stuff down, and you got to wait 20 to 25 minutes. So, you know, you can't, if Lysol won't just cure everything when you first spray it and you have to wait, then hand sanitizer really ain't going to help you, Nate. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Maybe they can take a, a, a bath and acid or something. I don't know. <laughs> can't do it. Mm-mm. Um, you guys are funny. So I have one more question. Oh, okay. So my second question is, and I can't wait to hear Alicia's response, Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, we have heard about a lot of athletes coming out, and I personally feel that, you know, when certain, I've seen where a couple of athletes have came out and their careers were over. So mm-hmm. is there an appropriate time to be on the DL? And I also ask that question because um, maybe a year or two ago, um, I had met a guy who is a minister, and he mm. basically said that he married, like Nate said, he married his wife, and every now and then he goes and does what he needs to do. And I asked him, well, do you think that's appropriate? Like, and he said, you know, well, basically I feel like my anointing has nothing to do with what I do in the bedroom. Ooh. So is there an appropriate time to be on the down low. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, let me let Nate so. go first. You know what? Okay, I'm going to say I think so because, you know, they say confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. Oh, mm-hmm. I like so that. I, think, mm-hmm. I do That's believe true. that there are times when, you know, especially if you know it's, you people can't take it. Um, but then I think there are times, like with the um, what's the what's the Bruce Jenner, what's his name now? Um, Caitlin. Um, when Caitlin came out, you know he can he's rich, and then he has the platform where he can reach other people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as football players, me personally, I wouldn't come out until I was like at. Year 12. You know, major status. Right. Go you ahead, know, ma'am. where I know regardless if I come out or not, they're going to want me to play. You mm-hmm. know, but at the same time, come out where I can really be a help to somebody. Right. Versus Joe Blow coming out, and he just got drafted yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's good to see. Yeah, it's, even though it would be good to see you know, someone like me in the NSL, because I know they're there, um, come uh-huh. out. But, you know, if you really, if you not haven't made it yet, I'd rather for you to get some status, then come uh-huh. out. You know, it's come just on like, now. I'm going to just, like Queen Latifah, 
Right. People always say, well, Queen Tifa won't come out. But, I mean, she don't have to. It's not necessary for her to come out. Maybe she's not at her point in her career yet to come out, mm-hmm. you know, or oh, she maybe she hasn't reached. Yeah, I mean, she came out, but she hasn't confirmed it. So Honey, you when like your mouth is... is in a picture on another woman, and you're a woman, oh, that you was, all the way out. I don't care if you crazy. confirm it, but you know, say nothing. I'm if you saying. got a good Nikki Curry, she can spin that for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we just like sisters. Okay, no, no, baby. Yeah, she can spin I that for you. She said, honey, we don't put no something nowhere in church, any mouth. That's what no. Well, you know, Nikki Curry do have, like, that, uh, she she like um, Carrie Washington's character. She can exactly. fix it now. She can turn some stuff around. So, yeah, you're right, you're right, Nate. But you know what, on that same premise, and... Whew, this is one of those things that is like a sore spot for Alicia Brown. I'm sorry. Um, in business, you know, society, we talk about a brand. You have a brand. Each person, doesn't matter if you own a business or not, you have a brand. And what to me is so disheartening, so despicable, so disgusting to me is how – you can see one person that you love. Oh, my God, they're the best speaker. Oh, they're so encouraging. They're so inspiring. You know, I, I just want to I follow everything they say. You know, if anything they're selling, I'm going to buy it because they're just touching my life. And that person, as we're saying here, comes out. Oh, my goodness. They're going to hell, blah, 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 blah. And then everything that person did, you discount. And you don't want to do anything with them. Now, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to have your spiritual convictions and you believe what you uh, believe to be truth and, and, and inspired by God. But here's my thing. Whatever you believe to be truth, especially if it's a spiritual conviction, you should model that in your life. And you should leave that as an example for other people. What you should not do is demoralize, dehumanize, and just tear down a person's character, their worth, their value, based on who they sleep with and how you feel spiritually that is right or wrong before God. Now, we know our society, we're hypocrites, we're judgmental. So for back to your question about is there an appropriate time to be on the down low, for me it depends on the person. Personally, I hate to say it, you know, as much as we preach on this show about living authentically, but for some people I think your whole life should be living on the down low unless you feel that you are willing to take the weight of what comes with your being out the closet. Um, Darren Phelps, Pastor Darren Phelps, I remember, I can't remember his exact words, but when he was on the last show talking about inclusion in the church, he talked about the hate mail. He talked about the pressures. He talked about the, the, just the ugliness of human nature for people that have come out and who openly have that lifestyle. So for some people, you know, you talked about that minister. Oh, he could preach the house now. And you love him. You, you know, you revere him. Let him tell you that he's gay. All of a sudden, you completely trash him. You're ready to throw him out of the church, and in some churches you're not. You know, that, that's just, to me, on certain sins, that's just wrong. So for some people, again, are you ready to take the weight 
that comes with that for saying who, you know, you sleep with. Well, if you are, then maybe you should step out and say that. But I'm with Nate. Certain brands, certain things you have going on may not be the best time for you to come out unless you're right. willing to throw that all away. All away. I mean, there's endorsements you can lose depending on what type of, you know, business you have. There's money you can lose. Just your pride and self-esteem, your, your self-worth, there's so much at risk. But then, you know, on the other hand, I think I had this conversation with Will one time. You know, what if a person is in a relationship, that's your spouse, you love that person. I don't want to keep calling you my roommate. I would like to proudly go somewhere and say, this is the woman I love, or this is the man I love. Straight people are able to do that. So how long do you really want to hide your lifestyle versus, I want to just come out and be boldly who I am. But then again, there's that whole issue of what you stand to lose. So sometimes I think the best way to, the best time to be on the DL is forever. Other times, just go ahead, let it loose whenever you're comfortable. Hmm. That was a long answer. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Will. Yeah. I knew I knew Alicia would would go off. Yes. <laughs> this is what I don't understand. I don't understand why, even though you are in the public eye, I'm going back to Queen Latifah. I think Queen Latifah is out. I just don't feel like you have to make a public statement. You don't have to call a press. Yeah. You have yeah. to live authentically. You've never said, well, I've never seen her go to an awards ceremony with a man, you know, perpetrating that they're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just very secretive about her life. And I think this mm-hmm. is authentic. She lives in the industry where she knows there's discrimination. Um, mm-hmm. But in her free time, you know, I, I think she lives very authentic. Yeah. And the people around her, I'm sure they know, you know, what's going on. Same with, you know, TP. I mean, I'm not going to say his name. But with TP, he needs to stop. What? But, um, I know who okay. you're talking about, and you're so uh, right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to text me that one, honey. But, you know, in, <laughs> in, that, in that same essence, I believe his friends know as well, too. Oh, uh-huh. Of course they do. Yeah. <laughs> they know. I bet you Oprah know and Gail know. <laughs> Who are we talking about again? Okay, I got it now. I'm trying to figure out who we're talking about. I got it now. We're talking about Tom Brokaw. Now you can't spell. Is that what it is? You know what? Y'all ain't right. But no, Will, back to your point. I'm sorry. There are some people that would say that Queen Latifah is not open. Because, you know, some people, until you stand up, I, I tell you who's the best example of that, Jesse Smollett, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people that will go off. Well, no, he's not gay. And they will tell you because you have not seen him stand up before audience and say, I am a gay man. And until they see that, well, he's exactly. not gay. He's not I don't feel that that is, I don't think so that, that's this. Uh-huh. That's this new thing we got going on. This this exactly. new Facebook and, and social so media. Annoying. Because you got to think, we it come is. from an era where we didn't tell our business. Amen. Uh-huh. But now you got time. social media. Everybody named Mama out. Yes. Everybody <laughs> named Mama then came. They brother then came out on the, on the Facebook. Every week I'm sending out new member letters to somebody else that then came out. Shut up. Shut up. New members. Okay. What are the ones that just want to stay in? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Send me, send me secret letters. They I'm don't send you that because they want to stay in. Well, they'll send me a letter say I'm still in, and I, I tell them, stay in, because we fool, we book. <laughs> we booked. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. I am so, so done, so done. Great job, wow. Elizabeth. Yes, because I, I want a whole show on that one. Topic. I'm still mad. I'm still mad. That. I want a remember, whole show on that Remember old dude when you respond back? We tried that. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I just made a whole show talking about this, honey. Mm-mm. Yeah, I have yeah. more to say, but I'm going to just zip it. <laughs> well, it was a great show. We had yes, some God, good it was. Guests. Good guests coming on. Yes. All and thank you, Liz, That's for riling me up. Oh, God. Anytime. That, that, doesn't take, that doesn't take a lot. Stop, well, okay, Kim Davis. That's all I'm going to say. Kim Davis. <laughs> you get, okay. yep. Now, I could do a whole wow. show on her. Oh, Mm-mm. uh-oh. Let's not give her any more attention. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Poor but, um, Alicia, what's next week's show about? Ooh, next week's show. I mean, y'all y'all just hit me. Next week's show is going to be about surviving an occult. Um, we will have Lori Johnson Cole, who's a Jonestown survivor. Um, if most of y'all are my age, then you only know about this because you watched the movie A Redland History Book with Jim Jones. Um she grew up as an activist in Washington, D.C., um, and she watched many of her heroes actually be assassinated in the 60s. Um, you know, when she was in high school, you're talking about John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, all killed, which had an impact on her. So while she was exercising her civil rights to protest peacefully, she was tear gassed while she was protest, uh, protesting the war in Vietnam. So after she had a brief marriage, a visit to Woodstock, and a stint working with the Black Panthers, she moved to California, and that's when she was introduced to the People's Temple. And she spent the next nine years in California. Um, she was away from Jonestown that day um, when 913 of her friends and family members died. Um, and if you remember the story, they actually committed suicide under the leadership of Jim Jones. Um, mm-hmm. So in March 2010, she published her book, talking about her survival tale, and she'll come and talk to us about that. Um, But also, I'm pleased to say we will have a spotlight interview with local gospel recording artist, Pele Price. Um, I had the awesome opportunity in July to watch him perform live. He is an amazing talent, and I'm excited to have him share his experience about when he was gaining success how he had some experiences with some mainstream artists that caused him to really think about his life and walk away and then give his life over to God. So it's going to be a very interesting show Sounds next good. week. Sounds yes. Good. Well, it's wonderful. Well, once again, I want to thank all of you for your hard work and dedication. Again, Liz, amazing segment. Yeah, um, Thank you. I'm Great job, on, Liz. Working on thank something you, for next you. month myself so um Uh-oh. oh yeah it's gonna be spicy too so make sure that you <laughs> stay on the lookout for that. but until next week make sure that you tune in september the 20th for um living what surviving in a cult i'm sorry yeah um until then i'm your host will strayhorn alicia brown danielle booth liz garrett make Whitfield. be blessed